following message is by a guest speaker of Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emmanuel Community Church can be found online at www.emmanuelcommunity.org. Well, good morning. How are we doing today? It's always a joy to be here with you. It does feel like a second home uh, for me, so I just really count it a privilege to uh, be here and to teach this morning. Uh, so a little personal update. A few weeks ago, I turned 40 years old. I don't know if I look 40 or not, but my wife, uh, man, she went above and beyond to really celebrate me and rally friends and family to uh, just honor me and love me. I just felt overwhelmed um, by everything. And so I'm like, man, 40 is awesome. And then a few days ago, we were uh, cleaning the house. We have company coming next week. Uh, so spent all morning cleaning and getting the house ready. And I, I woke up the next morning with a pulled hamstring from cleaning. I'm like, yes, this now is 40. This is what it's going to be like. Uh, so this is my first sermon after 40. So I want to pray uh, before we begin. Let's pray. God, we acknowledge how great and awesome you truly are. That today we can come as your children and gather to praise you with the the breath that you put in our lungs. And God, we just, we want to encounter you this morning. We thank you that we've already encountered you uh, through the singing and the prayer. And so, God, this morning, may we remember, God, that you are completely sovereign over this world. You are a good king who rules and reigns. And, God, that we are your children. We belong to you, and we are safe and secure in your hands. And so, God, we thank you for your presence here this morning. We pray once again you would reveal your heart to us uh, through your word and that we would not um, have dull hearts or closed ears, but that we would hear your word and your Holy Spirit would use it in power uh, to speak to us and to change us. So, God, I am your servant, but I'm also your son. So I just lean in uh, to you. And I ask your Holy Spirit would use me this morning. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. So a few months ago, if you lived in the state of Hawaii, you would have received this text message early on a Saturday morning. Ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter This is not a drill. How's that for a morning wake-up call? Could you imagine getting a text like that this morning? Some people in Hawaii, they pulled out their phones, they looked at the message, and completely ignored the text and went on with their day. Many others took the text seriously, and they gathered their loved ones together and prepared for the worst. They start calling family and friends to say their final goodbyes. And life and death hung in the balance for 38 minutes. 38 minutes. 
That's how long it took for another text message to be sent, saying the first one was sent in air. Have you ever had a moment when life and death hung in the balance for you? I've had a couple of those moments in my life, and there's no doubt those moments shake us up. It's not just the initial shock and response. It's the ongoing processing of that moment. And how does that now affect how I live? For the people in Hawaii, they woke up the next morning and they were still trying to recover from that text. It wasn't just a 38-minute ordeal. Their lives had been threatened, and this moment will now stay with them forever. There's no doubt about it. Life and death moments threaten us, but they're also often a divine invitation. It reshuffles the deck of our priorities, making us evaluate what really matters. And in these moments and seasons when we feel threatened, I believe God wants to meet us. I believe God wants to show up in our lives. This morning, we're going to see how God met the early believers in one of these moments when they felt threatened. If if you have a Bible with you this morning, join with me in turning to Acts chapter 4. I read this passage in my daily Bible reading plan. It just leapt off the page for me and struck a chord in my heart. I just want to make a plea with you. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're not regularly engaged in Scripture, man, you got to get into the Word of God on a regular basis. Not just as a duty or a discipline, it really is a spiritual lifeline for us and for us to connect relationally with God. So Acts chapter 4, here's the background of what's going on. Peter and John, two of Jesus' disciples, were arrested for speaking to a large crowd about Jesus. This came after they healed a man who could not walk. And the religious leaders were feeling a little threatened by them talking about Jesus, and they didn't know what to do with them. So they decided to let them go, but they commanded Peter and John to not speak anymore in the name of Jesus. So put yourself in Peter and John's shoes for a moment. Not too long ago, they had witnessed Jesus' arrest which eventually led to death by crucifixion. They knew they were on thin ice with the religious leaders, and their fate could easily follow what happened to Jesus. And yet if you look at Acts 4, verse 19 and 20, it records their response to the religious leaders when they were told not to speak anymore in Jesus' name. Verse 19, but Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking what we have seen and heard. I'll tell you what, there's something powerful that God is doing in Peter and John here that I believe we can learn from And also, I believe God wants to do in us today. This morning, I believe God wants to show us how to respond to threatening times. And there's a lot we're facing 
in our culture these days that threatens what God wants to do in and through us. And we'll get to that in a bit, but I want to first walk through this passage starting in verse 23. So Acts chapter 4, verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Upon their release, Peter and John go back to their spiritual family and they report everything that happened with the religious leaders. And how do they respond to this threat to not speak anymore in Jesus' name? There isn't a strategic planning meeting here. There's no list of pros and cons on what we should do. There's no evacuation plan. It says that as a community, they lifted their voices together in prayer to God. I don't know about you, but I wish my first response was prayer more often. Too often, I start with analysis or worry. I am so prone to overanalyze everything. When I'm in the car driving, I'm constantly analyzing what is the fastest route to get to the place I'm going. Even right now, as I'm giving this message, I'm analyzing how is it going. Are people bored? Is anybody asleep yet? Am I the only one that does this? There's this space in my brain right here that's constantly processing life. And I want that portion of my brain to come to God in prayer first rather than analysis and worry. Pray more. Analyze less. The believers here in Acts 4, they start with prayer and they begin their prayer with God and who he is. Sovereign Lord, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Lord, you are sovereign. God, you are creator. There is no one like you. You rule everything you have made. They were remembering in prayer who is in control and who ultimately holds the power over this world. This is so important for us. In threatening times, we need to remember who is in control and who ultimately holds the power. And yet I fully understand the emotional and intellectual challenge here. We struggle with the rampant run of evil and darkness in our world. We struggle with the wounds and the pains that we have personally experienced. At times it can be so hard for us to understand how can God be in control? How can God hold all the power and be good with all that's happening in our lives and in our world? I'm not dismissing the tensions here, but I believe faith, faith calls us to first start with what God 
reveals in his word. And over and over again, we read in scripture that God is sovereign. He is in control. He is good. There is a plan in the messiness of all this. I think Isaiah 55 is one of those verses we need to hold on to. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. This verse reminds us that we are limited in our understanding. And faith requires us to to accept mystery. Faith invites us to embrace that we don't know the full picture. We don't have the full story. We won't understand all the reasons and all the answers to the why questions. It matters that we acknowledge God's sovereignty, especially in threatening times. There's something that God does in our hearts as we remember that he is in control. There's a work of his spirit, a work of grace, that he often brings peace and strength and comfort when we acknowledge who he is, even if things don't make sense or circumstances don't change. One of my friends posted this on Facebook from a pastor who he knows. Uh, This pastor was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And he stood before his congregation sharing the news of his diagnosis. And he was very real, very honest. And eight weeks later, he passed away. But this is what he shared with his church. God is in charge. When things like this come into our lives, they are not accidental. It's not as if God somehow forgot what was going on and something bad slipped by. God is not only the one who's in charge, God is also good. Everything he does is good. If God does something in your life, would you change it? If you change it, you'd make it worse. It wouldn't be as good. That's not mainly a theological statement, uh, but a statement of someone going through the darkest hour of his life and still being able to acknowledge that God is in control, that God is in charge, and God is good. And practically speaking, I want you to remember this week that there's no limit to the scope of God's sovereignty in your life. God is sovereign over your career. God is sovereign over your marriage and your family. God is sovereign over every single one of your children's lives. He's sovereign over your medical issues. He's sovereign over your financial situation. He's sovereign over every success and every joy that you experience in this life. He's sovereign over every single disappointment and pain. He is sovereign from the day that you were born to your final breath on this planet. God is in control. He holds all the power. My hope and prayer is that as we acknowledge God's sovereignty, 
he would pour out his grace and strength and peace over us. Let's go back to the passage. Verse 25. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. There's a reason why we connect so deeply to some of the great stories in literature or the great movies of our day. Movies like Star Wars. I won't get into my opinions of the last Star Wars. We can talk afterwards if you want to discuss. But why do we connect with movies like Star Wars? Yes, part of it's the cool special effects. Part of it's the futuristic element of life in space, the amazing characters. But I think it runs even deeper than that. Every good story has tension and conflict in it. In Star Wars, you have the ongoing conflict between the dark side of the force and the good side. And this battle between good and evil connects to the depths of our souls. Because deep down, we know this is true of our human experience. That we live in a world in spiritual conflict. A war between good and evil. And maybe in the day-to-day grind, the spiritual battle is often hidden and unrecognized. But movies and stories call out something deep in us that we, we know is true of our faith. And this truth is the kingdom of God is opposed by an enemy. And his forces want nothing more than to kill and steal and destroy what God wants to do. In Acts 4, this part of the prayer acknowledges there was a rising movement of surprising allies. Herod and Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles and the Israelites, all enemies coming together against Jesus. Verse 27, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. The anointed one became the opposed one, and eventually the crucified one. Verse 28, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And still, God was sovereign over this opposition. This was part of his plan. I want to remind us this morning that the Christian life is not a neutral journey. Reading your Bible is not a neutral activity. Spending time to pray and seek God does not go unnoticed by the enemy. Are we the only family here that finds Sunday mornings to be one of the most difficult times of the week? The kids go crazy, there's marital tension. 
the enemy does not want you here on Sunday. He does not want you to gather with others in God's presence. We have an enemy who opposes us and does not want us to move towards connecting with Christ and living for his kingdom. I believe it's really important for us to discern the times that we live in. And what are the threats that are against us? And I've been thinking and reflecting on this. And I just want to share briefly four, I think, key spiritual threats in our day that we need to be on guard against. The first one is apathy. I believe apathy is one of the greatest threats against us spiritually in our country. In America, the privileges we have, the abundance of things to allow us to escape and distract or numb us from what should really matter most. Even this week, I realized there was apathy in my own life. I had to pay attention to it and ask God to break it in me. If the enemy can lead us to apathy, it creates a deadness in our soul making us numb to spiritual realities. Another threat is the threat of despair. I read recently, with the amount of information that we get in our culture today, we hear more bad news in one week than a person living 50 years ago would, live in, would hear in an entire lifetime. Let that sink in for a moment. In the next seven days, you will hear more stories of pain, discouragement, and negativity than a person in 1960 would get over the course of 70 years. It's, it's unreal. No wonder why we struggle so much with discouragement and despair. We are assaulted by despair every single day. And it's so easy to get beaten down if we're not alert to this threat. A third threat is divisiveness. I really, I don't feel like I need to unpack this one. Political, racial, economic divisiveness is tearing our country apart. And it's infecting the church too. All these things lead to one of the greatest prevailing threats in our day, which is fear. Worry, anxiety, and fear seem to be at epidemic levels in our culture and in our world. And I don't need to watch the news to get this. I understand this very personally. Uh, Fear has been one of the core struggles in my life. Uh, Last fall, I had the opportunity to go on sabbatical. And early on in my sabbatical, God was highlighting this area of my life. How often I let the fear of failure, the fear of the unknown, or the fear of disappointing others affect how I live. And I have to confess, this is no small thing in my life and my story. Uh, I noticed a pattern um, the Sundays that I was preaching, uh, I would wake up Sunday morning and you know that first thought that comes to mind. Um, for me, I realized there's there a pattern. That first thought was, oh no, it's Sunday and I'm preaching today. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and it was fear. And so this morning, when I woke up, there was a temptation to go to that place. But I was more alert to it. And I fought against it. And I, I thank God for the opportunity to come and preach today. Over sabbatical, First uh, John 4.18 became so significant for me. And God did a work of transformation that he's continuing to do in me. First John 4.18, there's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. As I re- reflected on this verse, I realized that God wants me and God wants you to live fearless because of his perfect love. That the love of God truly does banish fear in us because we are safe and secure in him. That no threat can come against us that will be able to stand up to the power of God's love and the safety that we have in his kingdom. I'm still learning what this means and how to live this out. But in all these threats, we don't have to be afraid. These threats are no match to the power and the security that we have in Christ. Uh, Dallas Willard, you guys probably know him fairly well from Dr. Steve. Uh, But he was known to say this, the kingdom of God is never in trouble. Neither are the people in it. The kingdom of God is never in trouble. Neither are the children of the king. And I see this in Peter and John and the other believers who were praying that day. Even though they were threatened, even though they might lose their lives, and many of them did for following Jesus, they knew they were okay. Because the kingdom of God is never in trouble. There is safety in Christ because of his enduring love and victorious kingdom. Let's move on to the final verses of this passage. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Lord, consider their threats. If if this was a movie and there was that music in the background playing to highlight the key moment, it would have been played right here. Consider their threats. I think of the movie Gladiator. Like near the end, when Russell Crowe is standing before Commodus and he pulls off his mask and reveals his true identity. The believers here acknowledge the opposition, but they do not back down. They stand up in prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. 
They didn't pray for and seek retaliation. They didn't pray even for rescue or protection. What did they pray? They prayed for boldness to stand up and speak for Jesus and for God to show his power. God, give us boldness to speak for Christ. God, show your power through signs and wonders. The very thing they were commanded not to do by the religious leaders was the very thing they knew they needed to do. They didn't let opposition or the threats lead them to fear. They stood their ground with courage and conviction, and they beckoned God for boldness. And this was not just Peter and John. The other believers joined together in rising up to what God was calling them to do. This morning, I believe God's heart for us is that we would not live in fear, that we not feel threatened by opposition in this world. This morning, God is reminding us of the security and the love and the peace that we have in his kingdom. I believe God's heart also for us is to rise up together, to stand up in courage and fearlessness to speak for him and represent him in this world today. So the question I have for us this morning is, will we rise up to live boldly for Jesus in our day? Where there's a threat of apathy, we rise up to show there is real life and joy to be found in Jesus. Where there's a threat of despair, we grieve the pain and disappointment in our world. Yet we remember the unshakable and eternal hope that we have in Christ, and we rise up out of hope. Where there's a threat of divisiveness, we remember the power of the gospel, the real power of the gospel that brings unity and peace and values every single person who we encounter as made in the image of God. Where there's a threat of fear, we ask that God would make us fearless because of his perfect love for us. We are safe. It's time for us to rise up. It's time for us to call upon God to give us boldness to represent Jesus today in our world. It's time for us to beckon God to show his power again and again. Verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. God showed up. There was a shaking of the room and the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. God answered their prayer for boldness to speak the word of God. Oh, how I long for God to do this in me, in us today. For God to shake us in a good way by the power of of the Holy Spirit, to shake us out of apathy, to shake us out of despair, 
to shake us out of our fear and lead us to cry out for boldness and for God to show his power again. I'm all about making the word of God practical. Um, I don't want this just to be an intellectual thing. So this week, I want to invite us to practice the word of God that we are hearing this morning. I want to invite you to join me in praying two very simple prayers. Lord, give me boldness and Lord, show your power. When you step into work in the morning, Lord, give me boldness to represent you today, to be a light, to care for someone who's hurting. When you step out into your neighborhood on these beautiful spring days, Lord, give me boldness to connect with my neighbors. And God, as I step out in faith and as I answer the prompting of your Holy Spirit to be bold, Lord, show your power. God, do your thing. This is not about me. This is not about my agenda or my glory. God, show your power. And I don't know how God will answer these prayers, but I believe there are people in your life who need you to be bold for Jesus, to speak on his behalf, to represent his love and truth. There are people waiting for the rescue of Jesus Christ we get to encounter this week. A few months ago, Ivana and I watched the movie uh, Dunkirk. Uh, It's based on the true story uh, near the beginning of World War II. And Dunkirk is a town in northern France. It's a harbor town. And the Allied forces were trapped in uh, by the German attacking forces. And there was no escape except by sea. And so the Allies started to send in the large boats to rescue the troops on the beaches. And there were hundreds of thousands of troops lining up, waiting to be rescued. And there just weren't enough boats. So a call went out to England for private citizens who owned boats to be part of the rescue operation. So fishing boats and and smaller boats began to join in the rescue. On the first day of the evacuation, less than 8,000 troops were rescued. By the end of the eighth day, due to all these smaller boats being a part of the evacuation, 338,000 and 226 people were rescued. It became known as the miracle of Dunkirk. And it was a key moment in World War II. This prayer for boldness and for God to show his power isn't just for our own sake. It's for people we know who need the rescue of Jesus Christ. People in our lives who are stranded on the beach of their own loneliness, their own brokenness, their own sin. And they have no hope. They don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
right now. In Dunkirk, it took everybody from large destroyer boats to the small fishing boats. In the kingdom, it takes all of us. We each have a role to play. And each soldier who was rescued mattered. It was a person with a name and a story and a family and a person loved by God. And this week, every person that you encounter is a person with a name and a story and a family and a person loved by God. My brothers and sisters, there is great spiritual opposition against us these days. But our God is greater. Our God is greater. Amen? His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His love is unstoppable. Each of us can make a difference for Jesus in the kingdom this week. May we rise up together. Let's start with praying for God to give us boldness and for God to show his power. And let's watch and see what he does. Let's watch and see how our God moves. Let's pray together. God, in this place, in this morning, we acknowledge the full breadth of your sovereignty over our world. That you are not half sovereign, but you are fully sovereign. You are a good king who rules out of love and justice. And God, so easily we forget. We forget that we are safe and secure because of you. We so easily fall into the trap of all these threats that are set up against us. And God, I pray even in this moment, God, you would, you would break the bondage of some of these threats. That you break the bondage of apathy in us. Where hearts become so callous and dull to the spiritual realities and we settle for lesser things. God, would you break the bondage of despair and discouragement? Oh God, we are assaulted so often with bad news. And yet, God, the hope that we have because of Christ is so good. We have an everlasting hope that is an anchor for our souls. God, may your hope rise in this place this morning. May you break any bondage of despair in us. And God, our world is so fractured and divided, so divisive. It breaks our heart to see this happening in the church. And so God, we pray against disunity 
in the church which dishonors you, God. And we pray, God, you would unite your bride once together. That we would remember that we are bonded together because of Jesus Christ. God, break divisiveness in your church. And God, where there is fear or where there is worry and anxiety, God, may your perfect love break in. May we encounter the perfect love of Jesus Christ for us. And remember, we are safe, we are secure because of your great love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. God, drive out the fear in us this morning. And may we not be confident in ourself or bold in ourself, but may we be confident and bold because your spirit is leading us. God, may our church rise up. This week, God, give us boldness to live for you completely, wholeheartedly. We want to live for you. And God, as we live completely for you, may you show your power. And for people in our lives who are far from you, or just, they're busy with other things, God, we pray that you would open the door for spiritual conversations. Open the door for us to demonstrate your love to someone who needs to see your love. Give us the eyes and heart to see people like you see them and to have compassion for people like you do. God, this is a work that you need to do in us. We cannot do this in, our, in ourselves. So Holy Spirit, continue to minister to us. Continue to lead us. Continue to show your power. We pray for your namesake, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.